Hello, I'm Ian Rowlands. And I'm Colin Williams. And welcome to Beneath the Stream, the podcast about the human experience in the non-human world. And uh, that very non-human sound, Colin, was uh, Forest Eagle Owl. Um, now, I first heard Forest Eagle Owl whilst um, staying in a hut in the forests of Sri Lanka at Sinharaja. And uh, the local people called it the devil bird. Mm. And, uh, and I think actually there's some connotations then with it being an otherworldly being, not even a bird, but they would hear this sound. And, and it, it's a terrifying sound in the forest at night. And this is a podcast about the owl and what it means to humans and how it connects us with that other world. So I think of owls as being mysterious and otherworldly. Pliny in uh, 79 AD described the owl as the very monster of the night. Mm. When it appears, it foretells nothing but evil. I love it. <laughs> um, but by contrast, I think owls can also be very likable and human. We've um, imbued them of human characteristics. It's that sort of... Uh, cute sort of round disc-like face that they have and we'll come to that later on i remember um living in finland trying to find ting mom's owl mm. which is kind of a, a forest cute little forest owl and uh, they, she looked like a you ever remember furbies they're like a little yeah, cute yeah. toy and in order to see this ting mom's owl we knew where the nest hole was we had to scratch the bottom of the tree with your fingernails and this cute little head poked out, looked down, just like a cat almost. What's going on? So very, very cute little things. And um, Florence Nightingale and Pablo Picasso had owls as pets. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and I was talking to a friend of mine, Davy, recently, and she, uh, I was describing the fact that where I live, um, there were tawny owls calling. And she was overwhelmed with excitement. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. And and she's um, a lovely person, but probably from a, a more urban background than I'm from. And the whole notion of owls captivated her, fascinated her, these little beings. So I actually went out and recorded me calling at the tawny owl, imitating it. And um, and she loved that video and played it over and over. And yet she's never seen an owl. That's interesting. But the notion of owl resonated with her in some way. And I suppose that's what I wanted to explore in this podcast. And and I wanted to ask you whether the notion of owls resonate with you. Yeah, well, it, it, it's um, certainly you don't, when you mention the word owl to anybody, you don't have to mention whether it's a tawny owl or a barn owl or, or any other particular, particular species of owl, because just the notion of owl, um, I think probably re resonates with quite a lot of people. And um, it's also a... I think for many people it might be a bird of childhood as hmm. well because mm -hmm. you um it, it's literary associations Winnie the Pooh or um Bagpuss um <laughs> uh, is there an owl in Bagpuss There is no. not but I'm I didn't did want to correct you I'm then, thinking Professor Yaffel clearly who was a woodpecker I know error, Colin. what a howler yeah uh and so, and so there are there are owly associations that that go through I our, our, our childhood. I think, yeah. isn't there? And uh, and also this whole we've experienced night twice in beneath the stream now. And there's obviously this the, a whole um, 
association with night and for so sure. and so all, all sorts of emotions i think for a lot of people will be associated with the notion of owl and it was interesting because i wanted to explore owl as an archetype really the way that that we as humans use it to connect with the non-human world what we imbue upon owl as a concept as well as owl as specifics but I, and i was casting around thinking where should i begin with this and i realized that uh, we, we dealt with the bear relatively recently in a podcast and and bears have a special place for me in my heart but also what they represent and i figured i'm not sure that owls represent so much for me but there's a lot of encounters i've had with owls so mm-hmm. actually each encounter with an owl has a really special quality and i hadn't realized it till i spent the time thinking about this podcast um i remember driving in the highlands of scotland and there was a a tawny owl that had clearly been hit by a car but was okay just stunned sat in the middle of the road and knowing that owls can be quite uh they've got a sharp claws very sharp beaks i was tentative about it but i went out and picked it up and put it in the car and nothing to put it in so it's just sat on the passenger seat next to me uh, but it was it was an otherworldly encounter that being of the night yeah that was just the sound yeah. and had stealth powers that humans can only clutch at and imagine, was suddenly sat there, sort of shaking its head a little bit, coming round like a very human character on the passenger seat of the car next to me. Yeah. Would have been a fascinating journey had it come round fully and started uh, flying around. Well, I won't dwell on that. I've once had that with a squirrel, but that's a different. That's a whole different <laughs> podcast, Colin, but uh, came back to life when I thought it was dead. It- it is because I think owls also seem a little more untouchable than other birds, uh, certainly a little more untouchable than, than day-flying birds. Um, and, of course, there, there are species of owl that are day-flying owls. Um, but you, you um, they always feel a little bit, because of the nighttime connection, mm-hmm. I think they perhaps feel a little more distant. And so when we're able to get close to them, it's, ev- it's a different type of thrill um, and a different type of... Uh, a different type of emotion than when you're getting close to, you know, a wood pigeon. So have you been close to an owl? Is there a, an occasion when you can think of one that's been in your face? Yeah, I have I have been close to an owl. Um, and I remember there's a, there was a little bit of woodland um, uh, attached to a local church and I got permission to um, put a couple of uh, owl boxes um, in this woodland um, because I'd, I'd certainly seen owls exploring um, around the woodland, but... It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a sort of woodland where there was going to be lots of natural nesting places for them, and so I thought in order to see what I can encourage, I got permission to put up a couple of uh, uh, a couple of owl boxes, um, and uh, yeah, so so after they'd been installed for a couple of seasons, it's clear that one had started to be used by uh, a tawny owl because I'd I'd observed it from a distance, um, but I thought I, I'd quite like to observe this up close now mm-hmm. um and uh, i put my back against a tree um so it's it was in 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 the late evening so after dark i put my back up against a tree which was just and uh, i kind of just fitted under this tree because there was a branch just coming out from the tree trunk just above my head i've got this vision of you in full face camo at this yeah <laughs> i wasn't but okay. uh, I, I, I like the vision okay um and it meant i could just look across maybe about uh, five or ten meters to to the tree on which the owl box was uh, and i was looking directly into the hole in the owl box uh, on this other tree and i started to um i started to pish right um now 
there may be some listeners who don't know what we're talking about there, um, but it, it, it's the kind of birding thing where you, I have been told, and I don't know if this is true, but it, it mimics the sound of an injured bird. So I do or, some or, pishing or, Yes, now. please. So it could be... Ladies um... and gentlemen, <laughs> the pishing stylings of Ian Rowland. Well, before before you laugh at this, it's amazingly effective at it, attracting birds. If, if it's any, hugely effective. If any of you listening are kind of walking through the woods and not familiar with this, if you make a sound sort of... And a lot of birds are attracted to it, wondering yeah. what it is. Yeah. Or there's the... There's, I will now demonstrate the squeaky pish, yeah. Colin. Which is like kissing the back of your hand. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Much as I love myself, well, I don't normally do that. But, uh. So I I started to pish mm-hmm. um, into, and in fact, I seem to remember doing both. So I was the, the psh, 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 and I was also doing the yeah, yeah. thing. Um, um, and what I was expecting was the tawny owl to appear at the hole of the nest box, as I had seen it do from a distance many times before. What actually happened? was the tawny owl flew in from behind me and landed on the branch just above oh, my head, really? um, just in sight. And 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 they, they do a thing where they seem to be able to balance themselves exceptionally well and bring their whole body and head downwards. And it, it did it and kind of brought its whole head um, sort of 90 degrees to look back at me from its perch looked down and back at me from its perch to find out what now and it was an it was a, a look that immediately silenced me <laughs> uh, yeah because uh yeah. Th- there are stories um well i was, I was going to read that back to you of course I, yeah. I once met the uh, he's no longer alive the photographer eric hosking mm. Whose uh, whose biography, an eye for a bird, yeah. is so named because he got too close to tawny owl at the nest and lost an eye to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I can imagine your. So yes, I have been. I've been. I've been face to face with a wild owl, and uh, it was a remarkably arresting experience. Hmm. Nice description. I, I. It's interesting you touched upon that because I hadn't thought about going there right now, but I. I did some work for the BBC as like a field assistant early on in one of the big epic Attenborough series, which was the um, the Living Planet, mm. and they wanted a lot of forest birds staked out. So I did that in the UK, but also went out to Finland, and Ural owl, which is a big ghostly white grey owl um, with sort of dark eyes. Um, they wanted some photographs of Sir David, some footage of Sir David close to that being attacked. And uh, and you're allowed are famously quite aggressive around right. the nest. Right. So one of the things the jobs to do was to find, you know, uh, to be fair that the Finnish guys had found the nest, but it was how easy is it going to be to film? Well, was Sir David stand <laughs> with suitably protective headgear on so that, so that he's not injured? And 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 I can remember doing that, and being quite reticent about getting close and being attacked. It's even bigger than tawny owls. So yeah. They're, Owls have that fearsome reputation, I think. Uh, funny enough, a part of that I remember that experience was another thing, which whenever I think of owl is in my head, because we also had to find hawk owl. Now, hawk mm. owl is a it's kind of small owl with a long tail and very active in the daytime. And uh, we went far north to some beautiful forest in the Sariselka wilderness. And uh, all that we knew was there was a hawk owl somewhere in the woods. And, uh, and I trekked in and saw this tree stump a tall tree stump let's guess it was three to four meters high and there was just a, some feathers sticking out of it it was actually the tail of a hawk owl that was on a nest in the stump 
And I was so elated that I'd found, I'd never seen Hawk Health, I was so elated I found it. And then uh, the male flew in with food, with a, a vole. And they were busy tearing this vole in half. And then they got off the stump and they were young in the nest. It was just like a, a magical thing. And I wanted to savour it on my own for a time before bringing the film crew in saying, I found them. This is what we're going to film. I thought, this is, these are my owls at this point. Probably spent 20, 30 minutes watching them. Turned around to leave and realised I couldn't remember how to get back to where I was, where I'd come from. And uh, I realised in the depths of the Finnish forest wilderness. So I also associate, when I think of owls, of thinking of those wild places. Mm. So, uh, mm. yeah, that's uh, interesting yeah. stories. But but they're also, they, they have other associations, don't they? So if you go to, you know, Mediterranean Basin where... You know, in towns and villages where you can see Scops owl mm. um, quite frequently. You know, walking through Hyde Park and, and uh, uh, Little Owl um, in in these urban centres. Um, they're not they're not all that they are a they're quite a universal bird, not only globally um, but kind of in our societal imagination. Absolutely, and we, and we we have them as a, a sort of iconic creature, if you like. You know. In the Chauvet Caves in France, there's a, an etching on the wall of an owl that probably dates from you know, 30,000 years ago. So they've been a part of human culture and, and lived near to, near to humans for a very, very long time. And as you say, there's that plaintive little whistle that Scots owl give that you hear in Mediterranean towns. And uh, you know, the hunched shape of this bird in, on the Chauvet Cave is unmistakably an owl with its back to you. So it's not mm. even the... The face, which is the bit that you think that um, in in the Greek culture, the ancient Greek culture, how uh, Athena, the goddess, and Owl was the sort of, uh, she was goddess of wisdom and Owl was her symbol. They even put yeah. it on, on the drachma as the Owl. So in, in our culture, it's become a rich symbol. And you mentioned Winnie the Pooh earlier on. So, of course, we, we associate... Um, Owls with wisdom, perhaps mm. not in the case of Wall yeah. uh, in Hundred Acre Wood, but um, but it is interesting how the, the things that we connote with owls, the things that we put upon owls. You know, we've got um, well, Harry Potter's done a lot in modern culture to bring the notion of owls as messengers to, to modern culture. And I wanted to share. I've got an item here for you to oh. unwrap, so you can. Okay. I'll let you describe what that is. Okay. So what we're looking at is a small. Um, Maybe sort of two inches by um, by three or four inches high. It's a small leather pouch, um, and attached to it is a string, which presumably you sort of hang it around your neck. And on um, attached to this leather pouch on the front, it has tassels on the bottom. And attached to this leather pouch on the front is, um, well, certainly in New Age culture, has be, has come to be known as a, a Native American dream catcher mm-hmm. um, um, thing, which is has feathers attached to it and is is sewn onto the front. And am I allowed to look inside? Yes. Um, so that's I will. That's the key point. It's unz- unzipped already. I, I, okay. There we go. I will. I will unzip the pouch, and I'm reaching in. I'm not even looking in. I'm just it's sending a, my fingers straight. It's a brilliant in. description. He's really genuinely doing this. Um, and I'm pulling out another package. Okay. It's like past the parcel. Okay, you'll have to undo that. Um, I'll have to untie it? Yeah, it doesn't... Okay. It's, it's... So again, it's a piece of red leather this time, and it's tied up with a kind of raffia, pink raffia bow. So I'm just undoing... I'm just undoing the bow now. Now I've got this little knotted red thing, and I'm opening it up. 
to find inside. Wow. So what I'm finding inside here, um, and it's maybe just half an inch long, decurved, um, a talon, a, a bird's talon. And uh, I'm going to make a wild stab in the dark that it, it might be the, the talon of an owl. Yes, indeed it is. So this is uh, it's the talon of a western screech owl. Um, so and, and this is uh, wrapped up as a ceremonial bundle and given to me by um, somebody working. It's actually a Hopi Indian, uh, but he's been spent a lot of time in, in Europe and traveling and, um, and spreading the tradition, if you like, and, and the messages from his culture. And uh, in Hopi culture, owls represent um, messengers. They can also represent a warning to society you know it can be um a warning about malign things or death or things like that but often it's um a messenger in many cultures i mentioned harry potter and that's why we i went to this and i'd forgotten i had it that um from his tradition if you're looking to experience something beyond this world carrying this this fetish this talisman this item allows you to receive messages and messages that you that you need to receive and, and and in that tradition as well even if you hear an owl then it, it means you should be paying attention to something mm. so it's fascinating the way that we as humans have this relationship so i wanted to explore that a bit more actually you know it's kind of uh, in, in many east african traditions also the owl is seen as an omen of death i've got friends mm. from kenya and, and and so it's not good to see an owl, which is fascinating, really, because some friends of mine spend a lot of time seeking out the Sokoki Scops owl, very endangered owl, a small parcel of forest in Kenya. And the Aztecs and Mayans also considered owl a symbol of death and destruction. Uh, in fact, the Aztec god of death was often depicted with owls. So, you know, there's an old saying in Mexico that is still in use that... Uh, when the owl cries, the Indian dies. Well, and and it's not much different here. Um, in in the UK, there's some strong traditions of uh, owls being associated with death. And in, indeed, if if any of the people listening are familiar with the book Cider with Rosie by Laurie Lee, um, there's there's a moment in there where the the the, the, the two old ladies that live next door. Um, one of them says, ah, the screech bird visited last night and so it won't be long before her upstairs is dead um, uh, or, or, or some such word. But yeah, they use the word screech bird, mean, meaning the barn owl because they have a, they mm. have a screeching call. Um, and uh, it, it uh, yeah, so that's that's a portent of death. If someone's if someone's ill and a, a barn owl, certainly I'd in, not in, heard of that in English folklore tradition, I'd come that, across the tradition of, of um, nailing a dead owl yeah. to the barn door yeah. to ward off evil. Yeah. Maybe you'd heard of that one. And um, Yeah, and I, I think that, that there's probably some thread of folklore in both of those things. There's probably some connection. So the, the live owl being a portent of death and, 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 and you taking the dead owl and nailing that up being some mastery of that... Um, there's there's probably some connection. Hmm. That is interesting. I think, I think it was Wordsworth, isn't it? Maybe touch upon the English tradition there. Wordsworth uh, mentions owl a lot as his favourite sort of bird of doom. Mm. Um, mm. In contrast, because I was thinking about the other indigenous traditions, the Tlingit Indian warriors, this is on the Pacific coast of North America, 
um, gave themselves courage and faith in Owl and would rush into battle hooting like owls, mm. which is really interesting. And um, I was particularly drawn to the ancient Egyptian tradition because an owl as a glyph, as a, as a symbol, um, it represented the pharaoh. Um, but it was understood that if the pharaoh gave the owl glyph to somebody else, they were expected to take their own life. So the association with owl, owl is in the Egyptian Book of the Dead as well, mm. as um, one of the last animals to help the passage of the soul into the next life. It was interesting. It made me think of because um, I, I made a note of the uh, the Nuux, which is a, a native uh, population in California, and they believed that after death, the brave and the virtuous were reincarnated as great horned owls, which is very large, mm. uh, with these tufts on its head. The wicked, however, doomed to become barn owls. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, so I, can, I, really I couldn't that. think of worse owls to become. Yeah, I was going to say about you know. Yeah, and I'm sure that's my, my fate, clearly, as yeah. a wicked person. But um, And Seminole Apache Peace, owls are a symbol of punishment. So you might warn people to lead wicked lives to change their ways. The owls will come and get them. Uh. So I, I'm fascinated by the, yeah. the, the, the way that human culture represented by the little fetish we looked at is, is sort of wrapped up in, in, in owl law, if you like. Um, the writer John Lewis Stemple is a relatively recent book, The Secret Life of the Owl. And, uh, and, and he says, owls then are the other. They're beyond the pale of light, civilization and goodness. When the medieval English neologism of the crime of midnight smuggling of wool fleeces to France, what did they call it? Owling. Oh, really? <laughs> so it's a sort of perjurative term. It's like if you're doing something bad, yeah, you know, it's going to be owling. Anyway, enough of the uh, the mythology. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about owls in realistic terms, the, mm. the biology of the owl. You know, so so tell me some things you know about owl. So I suppose the thing. You know, I don't pretend to know loads about the owl family. It's not a quiz. Um, a good few. Mm. Um, I suppose the thing that then kind of potentially... We've, we've talked about night. Yeah. And we've talked about, uh, uh, for us anyway, owls have a heavy association with night. Yeah. As we have discussed, the night is a time of different sounds and is of uh, the night is a time of quiet. It's that bit about the biology and the... Um, how owls have adapted um, to their ecological niche that that fascinates me most. It's about quiet, and it is about silence. The kind of architecture of the feather of owls means it can fly in as far as we're concerned and as far as their prey is concerned, that they can fly in silence. And that's not only to the benefit of... Uh, themselves in terms of not disturbing their prey or not letting their prey know that they're coming um, but also for themselves so that they're not producing noise they're not producing their own noise which is going to stop them hearing their prey in the dark Absolutely. or under the snow Absolutely. or whatever it might be and so that that it's the silent flight of owls that is a thing that has most held my imagination <laughs> you know the, and I know there's great facts which I, I hope we'll get onto about you know the size of their eyes mm -hmm. and especially their, their their adapted vertebrae which allows them mm -hmm. allows their head to swivel but it's that silent flight um that i think is the thing that has always set my imagination racing and continues to do so. it's a bit like when you described at the beginning of the podcast when the, you sat with your back to the tree but this owl appeared 
mercurially from mm. somewhere else. And mm. that's what I, you know, if I'm out stalking our local owls where I live here, um, they appear from where you don't expect. You never hear them coming. So they have these adaptations, these comb-like structures on the leading edge of their primary feathers, which are the flight feathers. And uh, it can be flutings or fimbriae is the technical term. So as the air rushes across a bird's wing, um, creating lift, it also creates some turbulence as sound. So that's why you hear, to varying degrees, different birds, large birds in particular, hear the, the sound of the air in their wings, a swan, think of. But these fimbriae muffle the sound. They create micro-turbulences. It breaks down the rush of the air across the wing. So they're, they're silent. Mm. Um, in fact, there's even a theory, which I'm not sure I, I could subscribe to, that it actually produces a micro-sound, which is attractive to rodents. Oh, really? <laughs> so that there's even mm. a, a faint sound. But, um, and you mentioned eyes. So let, let, let's, let's go to eyes, which um, this is the thing that really fascinates me. So here you are sat in front of me. Now, by weight of you... 0.0003% of you is eyes. Mm. And for owls, it's 3%. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. much more significant part of the yeah. body is, yeah. is, 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 the, is the eyes. Obviously, to, to gain all the light that's accessible in nighttime. Um, interesting, they kind of... Um, in some ways, their eyes are not as uh, adept as ours. Their field of view is narrower than ours. So... Um, a field of view for now is about 110 degrees. Where by humans, it's, we can we have a field of view is about 180 degrees. If you kind of look straight ahead right now, you can kind of see a wide field of view. Ours is a lot more focused, and hence they they have the need to turn their heads. So that's it's the other thing that you mentioned. So they've got um, this amazing vertebrae, and a way of carrying arteries through the hollows of the bones, so that as they can twist their head. 270 degrees round mm. that's staggering isn't it well it is yeah you know and it's <laughs> that's a barely imaginable um so the blood is physics. the blood is not cut off to the mm. head there's even some sections where even if the blood is slightly cut off the blood will pool and be available to feed the brain of the owl so it's not cut off the blood supply needed for the brain it's fascinating isn't it so they can turn their head around in that in that sort of horror film, <laughs> yeah, horror film style. So, so they have this amazing flight, they have amazing eyes, and they also have this amazing disc-like face. You know, the apotheosis of that is probably in great grey owl, which is found in high sort of boreal forest regions of, actually right across the globe, yeah. in North America and Scandinavia, spring to mind. Um, barred owl is yeah. the one I often think of with the amazing disc-like face yeah. and. Uh, so Bardow have this um, amazing ability to hear things, as do other owls with these disc-like faces. The, the two ears are asymmetrical, so that they are actually, one is positioned lower on the left-hand side than on the right-hand side, and they're out of line in the vertical plane as well. So one is slightly further forward uh, yeah. than the other. Yeah. So that allows them, compared to you and I, mm. uh, as humans with our hearing, to judge distances to, yeah. to hear in 3d yeah better than than we can and uh but interestingly owls hearing is not that much more sensitive than humans right there's a huge overlap some humans you know, with particularly astute hearing 
acute acute um could hear as well as some owls yeah in the dark so. it's just it's the difference being it's the ability to pinpoint exactly that, that. sound exactly yeah, yeah, that it's, yeah. it's, it's how the sound is gathered not and i don't know about you i've been in that situation where my my hearing's pretty good actually for high yeah. pitch sounds yeah and, you know my sight's not so good my vision's not so powerful but hearing's very good but it's quite hard to work out where it's coming from mm. And you can often completely misjudge it, can't you? You yes. think a sound has come from in front of you, and it's actually come from That's behind right. you. Yeah, and then you end up sort of having to augment your pinner by cupping your ears, don't you, and, and trying desperately to pinpoint something. Which, if you haven't done, anybody listening, that's a fascinating thing. It's, kind of, it's, you're, it's you're, you're mimicking the yeah. look of sort of, you know, the Mickey Mouse Alsatian yeah. thing and putting, putting your hands as cups around your ears. Yeah. And it's amazing how much more... Yeah you can hear yeah really really interesting so the last kind of biological bit i thought we'd talk about is the feet of the owl just because we've got this talon still here on the table in front of us and so owls have this really unusual adaptation that like um like pretty much all birds of prey raptors um have three toes facing forward and one facing back that's kind of standard if you think about a you know blackbird in the yard or whatever or a robin or something that, that that's what the feet look like that's what it looks like in a chicken but owls have the ability to swing back one of the front three toes. So they've got two forward and two back if they need to. Mm. So that when they've swooped off a tree, down onto prey, a vole, an insect or whatever, they can more easily grab it with two toes forward and two toes back. So uh, it's, it's highly adapted birds for mm. their for their environment. There's a great bit of footage, actually, a, a sort of bit of viral footage, I believe the young people call it. Um, on something called the internet, which is a game changer. Um, there's a great bit of footage out there um, of an owl, and I, I, I really can't remember the species of the owl or its prey, but but the, the there's clearly um, a sort of bird of prey nest in a tree um, somewhere. So it's night time, so it's kind of, uh, um, you know, it's, it's night vision footage. Um, and it's of this nest of, of birds of prey, and there's one of the chicks is just next to the edge of the nest. Uh-huh. And then out of the darkness from from a way back, so the kind of camera's looking past the tree and into the darkness of the forest beyond, out of the darkness comes, you see these two points of light slowly, quick, well, actually quite quickly coming towards the camera, and it emerges as an owl coming out of the darkness in complete silence, snatching one of the birds away and just Whoa. moving off and it's a it's it's a real moment of understanding how how the owl is this this silent nighttime predator that just comes like a ghost from the darkness and snuffs out a life and just just takes it away i mean it's 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 real. It's the real non-human in the raw. It's but, fantastic, and that's glorious because because actually I wanted to talk about the fearfulness of owls, and you mm. you captured that that really beautifully, I think. And um, in um, in northern Minnesota, as the winter moves in, and owls migrate often into the towns uh, to to escape the cold or come down from the north, um, people's pets are at risk. So often people don't put their you know small dogs and certainly not cats out at night because great grey owls or other large owls might take oh, really? them. Wow. Um, and eagle Ooh. owl, which is one of the Ooh. largest of the world's owls, Ooh. they will snatch peregrine falcons that are roosting Ooh. on cliffs. So Ooh. I love what you described mm. there. And, and of course it goes all the way down to 
pygmy owl, Ooh. which catches small birds that will often, in the winter in Scandinavia, hang out around bird feeders and snatch, you know, small birds that have come down to the feeders. And then there's a whole range of fishing owls, which some people might say, who knew? Yeah. But, uh, but there's Pell's fishing owl yeah. in Botswana and Blakiston's fishing owl. Uh, it's one of my favourite owl names. Well, if there was ever a bird, you know, I have yet to see that I'd like to see, and I envy those listening who have yeah. seen one. Probably the largest owl in the world yeah. has very dramatic feathers on its head, these big ear tufts. And... Um, you know, uh, the, the largest females can be, you know, weigh 4.2 kilos, 9.3 pounds. They're big things. So they're named after, uh, Seabone actually named the bird after the English naturalist Thomas Blakiston, who collected the original specimen in Hokkaido in Japan in 1883. And their main prey is fish. Um, so they catch pike and catfish and trout, and, and quite big ones. Mm. And so they've been observed... Um, Catching fish at up to two or three times their own weight. Whoa. So they they kind of swoop down to the bank and keep one foot on a tree root or something with the other foot reach in and snatch the fish. I'd love to see that in action. It's really hard to imagine. And then haul this huge fish out onto the bank. So there's this fearful night predator. It might be a catfish or yeah. a young bird of prey in the nest or... Yeah. A blue tit coming to a peanut feeder, you're vulnerable to the yeah. the swoop of the owl. And it, and as you mentioned, those larger species of owl, um, I've I, I mean, I've never seen a snowy owl in the wild, um, and it would be I, I'd I'd really love to, but I've never never quite had the opportunity to do so. Um, but as you mentioned, those larger species of owl, there's also um, something else that comes with the with size isn't there um so you've already got this night predator it makes odd noises um it, it can come out of the darkness um, um at you and at its prey but then if you add size to that and you and i have had experiences of um eagle owl um where they not only release their big Ooh. noise um but they then when you see them flying and you see their and 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 the last time you and I experienced an eagle owl together, um, it, we saw it flying against an almost dark sky, but it, the sky was light enough to, for you to get a sense of the size of the shadow that was passing over you yeah. um, with this great eagle owl. So they have this, they have this bulk and this weight, um, and yet when you see something of great size and it's utterly silent... Um, adds an extra edge, I think. And those ear tufts that you mentioned, I must mention the ear tufts, because then that gives them a sense of being something a little unbird-like. Mm. Um, because, you know, lots of birds have crests and um, uh, might have intricate tail feathers or those sorts of things. But when you see when you see two ears, and, and all they are is feathers, you know, we call them ear tufts, but they're a long... They're, they're, quite a little way from where the bird's ears actually are but you know that those those ear tufts sticking up almost had some mammalian quality um to the bird which gives them another um uh, gives them another dimension no that other birds don't have i absolutely and it, it's fascinating i think it's um i don't know if you remember david lynch's twin peaks mm, of course cult series in the yeah. 1990s yeah who and, killed laura uh, palmer <laughs> and in twin peaks we're told constantly by characters that the owls are not what they seem yeah <laughs> 
and it, and that's such an easy thing to play with for us as the audience because as you've described and you know, particularly with tufts on its head it, it's it's something more than an owl and something different to human yeah and i think that's um that's a really fascinating thing i, I was reading recently there's a, a podcast from a writer called mike cleland and he's written a book called the messengers and he's um very closely aligned to the work of Whitley Strieber, communion, you know, the whole alien mm, abduction yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. And and many people interested in that work and studying that work or talk about they've been abducted. Um, a lot of their memories associated with owls. And it's very curious. You look at the cover of communion and that weird alien face has a very owl-like quality. So a lot of people in that field speculate that... Uh, Yes, they've been snatched by aliens or other dimensional beings, but a, an owl memory is implanted in them, so they see it just as an owl. The Messengers is fascinating work because many of these owls seen by people are outsized and weird or doing things that you and I as field naturalists would think, really? You know, owls that sit on branches and come right up to the window and look in. Um, funny enough, a friend of mine was describing this recently just with a... A little owl in Europe that just sat on the wall outside a house and looked in through the window. And I don't think I've ever seen an owl no, do that. I've never experienced So that. clearly they do do it. Mm. Um, and it leads me on to some of the sort of um, myth and legend around owls. The Owl Man. Familiar with that no, one? No, not at all. So I came across this. Uh, it's actually my sister lives in Cornwall in England and nearby the village of Mornan. And at Mornan Old Church, relatively recently, 1976, um, people saw this large owl human figure. No. Uh, yes. Um, two young girls... On the way home from the pub? June and Vicky Melling had a... I'll, I'll quote Had an encounter, quote, of a truly nightmarish kind in Mornan Woods on holiday when their parents saw a gigantic feathery bird man hovering over the 13th century church. So other people have claimed to see the owl man... And it makes me think also of, um, we come across the work of John Keel and the, the Mothman prophecies. Yes, yes, so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so you've got all that kind of stuff, the Mothman in, um, in it's in Virginia, isn't it, Mothman? I'm trying yeah. to know where it's set, but uh, yeah. you've got that whole... Um, um, the, fi whole the film was Richard Gere. Wasn't yes, well, it? <laughs> a somewhat travesty. I mean, a great film, but I don't think it has much to, <laughs> much to do with... Much to do with the, the real stories of what happened in Point Pleasant in West Virginia. But um, but fascinating stuff. So whether you subscribe to those stories or not, and people clearly have had some weird and profound experiences, it shows again that owls represent something to us. There's something going on there mm. with owls. So I, I find that really fascinating. I wanted to quote actually Mark Twain. Um, I felt so lonesome. I most wished I was dead. The stars were shining. And the leaves rustled in the woods, ever so mournful. And I heard an owl, a way off, hoo-hooing about somebody that was dead. And a whippoorwill and a dog crying about somebody that was going to die. Yeah. And there's no escape from the fact that we humans put that upon an owl. Or the owl puts it upon us. So that's, yeah. that's very, very interesting. So a little bit more about real owls. Because okay. elf owl is the smallest of the owls. The elf owl? Yes. You ever seen elf owl? I've never seen elf owl. So I used to see elf owl. We used to do... I used to guide tours to um, Arizona. And Arizona's fascinating. Southeast Arizona. We if, we if we 
did well. We'd see 10 different owl species on a trip to Arizona. It wasn't unusual to see, you could really go and see six or seven types of owl in one night. There's not many places in the world you can do that, but elf owl measures five inches tall, um, weighs about an ounce, and they live and burrow little holes, or, or steal mm. holes, in other words, in the saguaro cacti. Mm. So these tiny little faces peer out of the holes in the saguaro. So, so I've got very fond memories of uh, of going out to look for owls in Arizona at night and hearing the calls of all these different owls. So. We we did once speak about how seeing familiar birds in other environments gives gives them a whole new context, and seeing and hearing owls in. Um, in sunny climates and in hot climates gives them a whole other mm -hmm. um, new sort of nuance that they don't have when it's, uh, uh, you know, a dark autumn night um, at home. Yeah. Um, and instead we're in these nice, you know, it's just a, as you say, you talk about, you mentioned the scops owl earlier, you know, when you're just in um, a Mediterranean village and, you know, there's the sort of... Uh, at the cypress trees um, are there and you might be on the edge of the village, you might be in the town square um, and uh, all is quiet, there's a gentle hubbub of the sort of evening of the village waking up and you kind of, you might be waiting for your dinner to arrive um, and you hear these scops owl and suddenly owls are no longer this it's much, more, much more benign thing. Yeah, this, yeah. Odd, this odd threatening yeah. portent of evil yeah. or death or night time Instead, they just become part of the sort of acoustic ecology of what's going on around you. Um, and I love encountering owl and, and and other more familiar creatures in in different circumstances. Uh, I get it, and I get it, and I think scops owl in particular. Um, they have this almost. Uh, it's like the comforting sound of crickets. Mm. So the scops owl call would be something that uh, it feels part of that background ambience. It's a warm sound, it's a, mm. a pleasant sound. And I love going to look for these little owls, scops owl. You can find them roosting in the trees if you look carefully. So in the daytime, before they're calling as dust sets, you, you can find them. I remember um, being, it's funny, you mentioned uh, you've recently been in the deserts of Jordan and Israel, and I've spent time there too. And there's a little bird called a striated scops owl. Mm. And you find them by walking the desert wadis, which have just got these scattered acacia trees, and peering in each tree. And the birds can be just sat there. Mm. And it's a wonderful thing to just suddenly peer up a tree. There's an owl mm. in the daytime, clearly visible. It's a lovely, lovely thing to do that. And I love the fact, because I, I suspect many people notice, but those that don't, that, that some owls are highly migratory. Mm. So I find that really fascinating, because uh, myself and partner Gina, we live on, on the east coast in... in East Anglia, today it's a, a wild and grey day and the, the north, the east wind is blowing and the North Sea is raging and inhospitable. But there will be owls coming over the waves right now. It's not unusual. I think last week I was up on the coast and short-eared owl flew in off the sea. And, um, and I've been on the ferry from East Anglia where I live across to Denmark and halfway across on the trip, waking up in the morning, getting out and there are nine short-eared owls circling the boat some landing on the boat and I think that's seeing owls in a way that that we never normally think of them covering distances out on the ocean um, mm. looking mm. for land to come to most of the owl populations move completely out of Scandinavia not all of them but 
You know, I've been at the southern tip of Sweden, an island called Erland. Actually, it was one of the most magical things. I hadn't thought about telling that story. Um, the lighthouse is running at the southern tip of the island slowly. And the lighthouse is uh, it's kind of an ornamental, but it's kind of, it was functional and it's lit up. And at night, some folks from the bird observatory, where they are mist netting and trapping birds and ringing and studying migration, phoned up at about midnight and said, there are Tengmalm's owls migrating through the observatory. So we went down there and they had one in the, the observatory building. So I was able to have this little Tengmalm's owl sit on my hand and then we let it go. And then we went for a walk around the lighthouse, myself and a couple of other people, in the, in the light of the lighthouse circling and catching glimpses on the fences and on the, on the little bushes of these Tengmalm's owls wow. hunting for small bird migrants the hundreds and thousands of tiny little gold crests are also about to skip over the waves and head for Central Europe, the UK, and the notion of these Tengmalm's owls in the lighthouse beam hunting is an image that mm. will always stick with me. So, uh... So it's been fascinating to talk about owls. This, I, I, I realise as we've spoken, they have a stronger place in my heart than I realise. As I embarked on this, I was very interested in the owl as an archetype. And I am fascinated by that. But I appreciate now, as you've given me licence to tell these tales, that actually each encounter with owl lingers. It's special. It's easy for me to recall them and, and delve into the emotion of them. And it, it can be beautiful full of wonder and it often be quite fearful mm. so I'll end with a, another nice quote from John Lewis Stemple I recommend that The Secret Life of the Owl and uh, he says encountering an owl the scream comes from only yards away it's a scream that terrifies the night I and the little animals in the woods stop and hold our breath the distinctive high-pitched wail is well known to us wood folk if I was cold before I'm colder now. You want to watch where you're stepping round here, boy? You won't fall down a hole. Where would you be if you fell down a hole? Oh, yeah, and yeah. What about the fog? Stuck in a hole! In the fog! Stuck in the hole! In the fog! In the middle of the night! With an owl! Tree! Stuck in a hole! In the middle of the night! Stuck down a hole! With an owl! On your own! You're on the wall! You're on the old wall! Stuck down a hole! With an owl! In the middle of the night! It could happen! Stuck down a hole! On your own! In the middle of the night!